the book Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, a supercomputer was built to give the answer to life, the universe, and everything. After 7.5 million years of computing, the computer answered the now classic number 42. So, sophomore year, in the summer, we were assigned a reading assignment where you had to pick a book from a list and read it, and that was it. They just trusted you that you read the whole book. So, my idea was to just go to a Barnes and Noble and see what they had and then be like oh I'll just read the backs of them and see what they're about so the first one that I pick up is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and my immediate impression is I feel like this is going to be a very weird crossover between like Star Wars and some kind of psychedelic drug trip and boy howdy (laughs) I was very wrong about that it was spectacular. It was hilarious. It was, there was just a lot of stupid, now cult classic references in there. And, like, there's even more books. So I was like, dang, I really love this book. And this was right before I went to the mental hospital for the first time. So around the end of July, I ended up in Centerpoint Hospital because I had a complete mental breakdown. I was on the floor crying and just like dreading life and just wanting to die and curl up into a ball and never exist anymore. So my parents, not knowing what to do, take me to my pediatrician who then asked me those very lovely questions of like, are you thinking of suicide? Are you gonna harm yourself? That kind of stuff. And of course my brain was like, yeah, today's the day. Well, today was not in fact the day, and I end myself up in a psych ward after about eight hours of waiting and getting all the intake information, and it was awful. So I get there, and my time there was also awful, because not only did they not trust the people in there, but I was alone in a room. For about like eight hours a day there was nothing to do so I just sat there and I had my mom bring me a dot-to-dot book without staples because staples are not allowed and you're not supposed to bring pencils into your room but they let me bring a pencil into my room because they were like you know you're not gonna stab someone and then they told me that I was supposed to stay for a week well my parents didn't want me to stay for a week and wanted me out early So they, like, voluntarily discharged me. Well, the hospital didn't like that, so they didn't transfer over my new medication. So I was cold turkey on all the medication I was on, and recently out of a mental hospital, and it was the worst experience of my life. Flash forward about, I would say, to March. So in March of 2020... I landed myself in another mental hospital because not only was I on a complete and utter crazy, just, I don't care about life, self-destructive mode, I was doing drugs, I was drinking, I was, like, just doing things that, like, normal teenagers would probably do, but with my intent was, if I die, I die. Well... Apparently that mentality is not good to have, so I landed myself in the psych ward again. This time it was better. I really liked the place, the people there were really nice. Uh, The psychiatrist there, I absolutely love him. 
he was just he broke through my excessive loopholes like he was like I'm like I just want to die because I feel like I'm letting everyone down he's like well if you die you're gonna let people down and I'm like oh well that's a turnaround so he got through my wall of excuses and unfortunately I had to spend my 17th birthday in there with a lovely just a lovely thing that was my parents brought cookie cake in during visitation hours and we couldn't use any utensils so we had to eat it with our hands and I brought I let all the other patients have them because I knew them pretty well I mean when you're in a mental hospital with about 10 other people in the same ward you get to know each other very quickly so I just was not living the best life considering I had just spent my 17th birthday in a hospital and then the day I get out was March 13th which was the day that people say the world ended because that's whenever COVID-19 was declared a pandemic and all the mask mandates and shutdowns and everything happened and it was awful I didn't know how to deal with anything I didn't know what to do so fast forward again to August I land myself in a mental hospital for the third time the reason was this time was I was so burnt out I was so done I was like this is stupid this is literally like revelations happening like the world is ending so I'm gonna go out the only way that I know how so, as a little bit of a backstory, I've had an issue with self-harm for God knows how long, since about sixth grade. And it's gotten worse over the years. I haven't been able to fully stay sober from it. I have long periods and I have short periods. But then there's times when it just hits me like a truck and I'm back on the relapse train. So that was the day that I ended up on a very bad relapse train to the point of where I was bleeding out in front of my parents' bed because I had ended, I've, I cut myself too bad to the point where my arms and my legs and my wrists were just bleeding profusely. So, like any logical parents, they take me to the hospital and they evaluate me. They're like, you're not bleeding too bad, so we'll take you to the psychiatric like intake place, which I know all too well at this point. So I go there, I, they look, they take one look at me and they're like, you're, you're going in inpatient. Problem was they didn't have any beds, so like logical hospital people they're like well you're gonna stay in the hospital wing until you get a bed well they couldn't put me in the adult ward of the hospital and the adolescent ward was full so they put me in the children's wing which is full of screaming children who are crying because their parents aren't there because it's after hours so I get there I get to my room and I am still bleeding everywhere because like I'm walking and like both sides of my calves are like 
emaciated beyond belief. So they're like, okay, we're going to have to take care of that because I'm bleeding on the floor and I'm bleeding through my pants and I'm bleeding through my shirt and all that stuff. So I get there, I sit on the bed, I'm bleeding on the bed and I'm like, okay, this is where I'm at now and this is where I'm going to be for the night. So I, I just looked up And when I looked up, I saw what room number I was in. And that room number was number 42. And in that moment, I cannot tell you what feeling went through my body. It was like a sign from God himself. I stopped all of my thought processes. Like, I froze. I I can't... It's so hard to describe, but I... Like, all of my functioning stopped. And I just looked. I looked at it for a solid minute. And my mother was there with me. So she's like, what are you looking at? And I said, Mom, look at the room number. She's like, oh, it's 42. Like, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And I said, no, no, no. You don't understand. It's 42. And she didn't really understand. Well, what I've now come to learn is that the author of that book was a very smart man and he was a computer genius. So in coding, the number 42 is a replacement for an asterisk. And an asterisk in coding means this undefinable, insurmountable number that cannot be calculated. And what people have theorized from that is that when that supercomputer in the book said that the meaning of life, the universe, and everything is 42. What it really means is life is what you make it. Life is this incalculatable, massive thing. And there's no way to predict the outcome. But what you have to do is make your life your own and take it down the path that you want to. You have to fight for it. You have to work for it. There is no easy way to get what you want. And when I was in that hospital room, bleeding on the sheets, just in a complete state of just utter depression and at the lowest point of my life, I realized that something out there wanted me to live whether it be pure coincidence or an actual sign from some kind of deity, whenever I was in that room, I knew. I knew, just for a second, even if it was just for a second, that life wasn't over. And so I stay in that room. I order spaghetti for dinner, which tasted awful because it's hospital spaghetti. I finally get a room in the adolescent psychiatric ward and I am like working hard like they give you packets I finish them on time I was talking to my therapist I was talking to my psychiatrist I was opening up about my trauma I was actually trying to work towards getting better instead of just sitting there and saying that life is over life is meaningless 
because in that moment, I realized it's not meaningless. There's so much meaning. And yeah, you can never know what the true meaning of life is, but you have to figure it out for yourself. You have to take your own journey and you have to live your life to the fullest and figure it out by yourself. And sometimes you need help. Sometimes you're going to need help from other people, which is something that I learned in the hospital. And whenever I got out, I cannot tell you how much my mental health has changed. I have gone from being someone who is so depressed that they can't get out of bed in the morning or or so anxious that they can't leave the house or so burdened down by PTSD and past traumatic experiences that I can barely have myself around a loud television. Now I'm able to get out of the house. I'm able to push through those moments and I'm able to love people fully and in a close relationship and it's it's so it's so indescribable to say how much that that has changed me I can look at a seemingly meaningless number and know that it saved my life Alright, so what inspired you to share your story? So, I've been into a mental hospital about three times in my life, and every time I've been in there, there's always been this stigmatization around being in there, and a lot of people think, oh, if you go in there, you must be insane. So, sharing this story really puts it into perspective that you don't go in there because you're mentally insane, you go in there for a specific reason, and even after being in there for multiple times, you can change and life can get better yeah oh, all right and uh what was your biggest challenge and why um actually being able to share my story because it's really difficult to talk about it considering that there's a lot of like personal aspects to it and having to share those really personal moments is kind of difficult yeah yeah i can i can see how that would be difficult um what is your nonfiction project lookbook? Um, so I read Shout by uh, Lori Hals Anderson. Awesome. And um, tell me about this main character's story. Like, what what, are you, what does he do in the book? Um, so she talks about her experience with sexual assault and, like, how it's affected her life. Um, she goes into details about, like, how it affected her emotionally and how it affected her like after she wrote her books and having people come up to her and being like hey i understand and it was just really powerful yeah yeah i i can definitely see something of a personal experience like that being a very powerful statement when you know shared um was this book like a mirror or a window for you and like why just explain it to me Um, So this book was more of a mirror for me because I personally have had a lot of unfortunate experience with um, sexual assault and like ever since I was nine it's been a reoccurring thing and it just opened my eyes to the thing of whenever you go through something like that it doesn't have to affect your entire life 
and I've come to that realization on my own and after reading that book it really just put that into perspective yeah yeah um sorry I'm reading them (laughs) what uh what pieces of your story match the author's story or if there is no really like matching pieces what pieces are very different Well, the only thing I can think about that matches the author's story is whenever I was in the mental hospital, um, I ended up having, like, PTSD flashbacks, which I never really experienced that before because of what happened. And she talks about that in her book, so it made me feel less alone and, like, I wasn't the only one going through what I was going through. Yeah, I mean, PTSD can come from many things, so I, I don't think some people know that, like, it's not just, like, like soldiers who come back like from stuff Vietnam like this. Like the Vietnam War flashbacks. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not like that. It's, it's, you know, it's just, it's, it's a traumatic experience that just keeps coming back. It keeps mm-hmm. eating at the mind, so I, I can see that. Um, how does uh, the author's story help you build empathy and compassion, uh, like, to the world, to people? Um, why is this person's story so important and what social topics if there are any are brought up in this book and explained so throughout the book she talks about obviously sexual assault but she doesn't she doesn't put it into a thing of like this is what happened to me and this is why like this is the like she doesn't only talk about what happened to her she talks about other people's experiences too yeah. And she also mentions, like, hey, you know, it can happen to guys, it can happen to girls, it can happen to, like, children, adult, like, anyone. So in- it's not, like, a, a black and white perspective on, yeah. like, just killing it one way mm-hmm. type of thing. Yeah, and I she can- also uh, talks about, like, censorship when it comes to that kind of stuff, like, how people are just, like, they're really, like, nope, let's not talk about this. It's like, we have to talk about this because it's an issue. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I, I completely see that, so... Mm-hmm. Well, um, thank you for the wonderful interview, and uh, hope you have fun.